Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. to the nine foot homemade oak bar pour yourself a cold one bucks in the basement he's craig i'm chris another week of pirates baseball as we get towards the end of this season uh which will mercifully end and uh well, what do we got here about a <laughs> month and a half later you're already out of your fantasy baseball playoffs you're looking at football season already we're just trying to figure out who's going to finish strong i got i gotta be honest with you in a season like this when you got off to a hot start i still stick to what i said at the beginning of the year I want to see a team that showed improvement. I want to see players that are supposed to be part of the championship window, of the contention window, showing me something all year long. I want to see development continue, and I don't want you just limping through the last six weeks. I want to see things going on that are going to help you next year. And I want it to, I want it to be positive because I want the front office to know now is the time to go strike in free agency and start doing something to get ready for a competitive 24. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of where we're at right now. And I mean, I looked at the record. I mean, everybody obviously well, you know, points to the, the 20 and 8 start to the season and then, you know, falling apart in, you know, May, June, and July. You know, having some success even in those, you know, dark months or whatever. But I mean, looking at the record right now, as we're sitting here in August, after you know bludgeoning the Cardinals, which they should do because surprisingly the Cardinals are the worst team in the Central this year, which you know not a lot of people saw coming. But I mean, their pitching—if it didn't show up—that's where their money maker was, and believe me, it it didn't show up this year at all. But right now they're nine and eleven in August, which isn't great. But that sure as heck is an improvement upon what they were doing in May, June, and July. And at this point in time, they're doing it with a lot of young players. I mean, you're doing it with Andy Rodriguez. You're doing it with uh, Leo Verpiguero. Uh, you've, you've had Nick Gonzalez in there at times. Henry Davis in there, even though you know he's hit the the IL at this point in time. You know, you've had Brian Reynolds come on strong. Could Brian Hayes come back from his injury and come on strong? These are like all people that could or should be, you know, core players. Mitch Keller came back out and had, you know, a fairly strong start after some rough starts in a row. And you see guys in some ways starting to figure it out. I mean, obviously, you know, Jack Swinsky, who's been the topic on this podcast the past few weeks, has continued to struggle. 
But, I mean, you're seeing some positive signs from this team. Yeah, we did have uh, two perfect games against us over the weekend in Minnesota going into like the fifth and sixth innings. Ended up winning one, you know, almost got no hit in the other one. But, I mean, we are seeing some positive signs. And especially with, with Andy Rodriguez. I mean, that's something that... You know, we were talking about before we hopped on the show here, Chris, is people are complaining and talking about, you know, Andy Rodriguez, you know, not catching enough and and not getting, you know, a, why does he need, need all these days of rest? He should be catching, you know, six days a week and maybe delay in there a couple of days. I mean, most people are saying Henry Davis, but if you're going to use somebody, use delay, whatever it would be. But it came into across my feed for some unknown reason. I don't know who I was following, but it was like a story on Will Smith. Will Smith is all-star catcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And it basically said, you know, Smith wearing down and falling into a slump. And I was like, man, I I, I, I want to kind of like look into this a little bit more. And, and it's absolutely true. I mean, Will Smith started out the season house of fire and – He's only a 28-year-old guy, young catcher, athletic, and you see the effect that, you know, catching day in and day out can have on a player. I mean, he's seen his OPS, you know, go from it was like 826 in June, 726 in July, and then 685 at this point in August. And I was just thinking to myself, I mean, I was looking at like the, when Andy Rodriguez has these rest days that everybody is kind of complaining about, he comes out looking a lot more fresh. And then I went back and looked at, you know, the number of innings he caught last year as a catcher, it was around, I think it was like 645 or 49. And at this point in time, he has surpassed that for this season. And like you said, Chris, there is still, you know, a month and a half to go. And this isn't like the first time I've heard about young catchers and the effect that it can have on their legs and, you know, also getting adjusted to the major leagues and different stuff. So for me, I think that, you know, it could be seen as like, oh, you know, you want to get him as many at bats as possible. And the only other place to do that is DH. But I mean, maybe some days he needs like that, that time to reset, to, to like look forward to the next game he's going to be catching to game plan. And I feel like that this has been something that people are like, well, if he's hitting well, he should be, you know, playing more. And I'm wondering if he's hitting better because they've kind of kept his playing consistently and giving him those rest days to get build up and get used to being a major league catcher. Cause it kind of seems to be something that's happening across the major leagues. Like Adley Rushman, I looked and he's DHing a whole lot more than he was early on during the season. Cause now they're going to be making, you know, a push for the playoffs. They want him to be well rested and everything. So they, he's been playing DH more. So, I mean, I know that, you know, work both kind of old school here, Chris, and the days of the Iron Man, where, you know, the, the catchers are behind the plate. Like you did have a backup catcher, but that guy played like, you know, he caught like maybe like 20 games a year and, and you had like this, you know, Iron Man catcher behind the plate. I'm wondering if those days are kind of behind us. And if you want to have, you know, Will Smith's an offensive catcher and is not bad at defense, Ali Rushman, you know, 
offensive catcher, not bad at defense. If you want to keep them and keep their bat going well, then there may be more of this rest building. Well, yeah, the days of the Iron Man is done. Let's think about the guys who used to do that. We'll go old school. Johnny Bench, Carlton Fisk. I mean, let's just start like throwing out like those those Hall of Fame catchers that have been out there. And and if you've ever seen one of these old men walk around now, they can't walk because their knees are destroyed. They were destroyed when they were 45 years old. And I think we've seen in Major League Baseball uh, over the last few decades a movement to keep catcher legs fresh. And I, I don't think it's just for the young guys. And I don't think it's just for the old guys. I think it's for most catchers. If you play any fantasy baseball, you will see catchers fluctuate this time of year and start to go into little slumps if they're not if they're not getting enough rest. It's a long season. It's 162 games just getting up and squatting down and getting up and squatting down and everything else that they have to do, plus they have to play the game and go to the plate like everybody else out there. It can be taxing on somebody. And, and when you're trying to develop a guy like Andy, I have no problem with the idea of having him take days off. Because on the days off when he's sitting on the bench, especially as a catcher, he can be learning something. He can be watching the game with a coach sitting next to him saying, "This, you see this? You see this thing over here? Is this the thing you've been having a problem with? You're in a developmental time right now. I know there's still a season going on, but you're not going to the playoffs. You're nine back in the wild card. You're 12 or 13 games under 500. The season's over. And, and, and so I think complaining about playing time for him, unless you're concerned about his development, is stupid. The only complaint you could possibly have is saying, well, I think he should get as many at-bats as possible because it's going to help him. All right, fine. I can listen to that complaint, but then I can also look at what he's doing at the plate and say, I'm not as concerned about his development at the plate as I am with some of these other guys because he's at least got an above-average OPS because he's at least going out there and hitting for a good average. He's, he's at least out there doing stuff at the plate in his rookie campaign only up here for what the last month or so. I mean, I, I, let's let's have a little bit of patience with how they're developing him because this time, all the way through the end of the year, is just that. It's developmental time. Look, if you want to put him in a DH spot, then have Kutch sit down because he doesn't need development, does he? He don't need development. He can sit down whenever you want to get him in there. So I, I think that he's not blocked. It would be crazy if he was blocked from being able to do that. And him taking some time. To, to rest up and to learn and to approach things without a crazy schedule where he's in there every single time. If that benefits his development and gets him ready for 24, then I'm all for it. If they were if they were handling him like this and you were in a pennant chase, I could get you being upset about it, right? We got to get that bat in there. We got to get him playing. But you're not in a pennant chase, right? Instead, what you're doing is you're developing. It's important to me in these last six weeks that guys who are part of your plan or that you think could be part of your plan in 24 are getting as much time out there to play as possible, but you're not, you're not breaking them, right? You can't remember, remember how they used to break Mitch Keller with how they used him and they used him poorly. What, what you got to do is you got to understand that this next six weeks, you get them the reps that you feel that they need. You don't overwhelm them and you continue to build confidence and you continue to get them ready for the next year. So I, again, I can't have a complaint about what's going on with Andy Rodriguez. I just, I just can't, you know? And, and you look at the schedule. I want to I just get back to it real quick because as you're talking and you're going through it, I'm looking at the Pirates' schedule. Just a couple quick notes here for you. The Pirates, when you look at their record, they are basically right around 500. Like they're two games under as we're sitting there talking when they're at home. 
So they're losing the most of their games on the road. It's a positive sign for a young team, right? When they're at home, they're they're at least they're at least winning as many as they lose in a losing season. That's a, that's a positive turn. Okay, fine. What's most stark though is their record against teams that have an above 500 record. They are 29 and 51 against teams that have a record of over 500. When you look at the remaining schedule the Pirates have, they're basically playing all teams that have records over 500. They got a few more against the Cardinals. They got a series against the Royals. Otherwise, everybody they've got basically almost to the end of the season is one of those teams. There is, if I were a betting man looking at their record up to this point, I would say they are going to lose a lot of games here at the end. What I want to see them do is prove that wrong, right? I want to see, and and, and they're not going to do it by, by stunting development. I want to see these guys play well with the guys that we're trying to get ready for 24 and win some of these series that up to this point, the numbers would suggest you're going to lose. I, I don't expect you to be a 500 team at the end of the year. I don't expect you to make up the 13 games. I don't want you to slip very much further back, though, from that from, in your record. And if you can finish like that, I consider that finishing strong. And if you can finish strong and you get some development done, like with Endy, and you, you, you have your schedule and you have your plan, then I'm okay with it. Because, again, this is all just the time to get guys developed, get them ready, get them used to it, build it up, figure out who you need. Like, what are you going to have to go out and get in the offseason? If you really want to be competitive, because again, I, look, man, pitchforks and torches, if they don't do anything and you're concerned about it too, you don't think they're going to do anything this weekend, this, this, this off season, are you? I mean, I'm, I'm very concerned about it. I mean, there was a, there was a, a report and take this for what it's worth people. I mean, it basically has come from the, the mouth of Mark Madden and, you know, a lot of people don't believe of you know some of the stuff that he says. And, I mean, Chris and I, before the show, Chris, we're like, I don't even know like how real this is because, you know, Mackie hasn't reported on it. Kevin nobody Gorman, else is, nobody else is talking about it. And nobody else funny. is really even right. talking about it. That basically so it may be say, nothing. It may absolutely be nothing, but it's like, you know, Bob Nutting, you know, not wanting to get into, you know, a sports network with the Penguins. People are speculating that it's because he doesn't want to put the money up front uh, or what it would be. But the big thing of this is that since he would not be getting the AT&T money that the payroll could possibly, you know, even go down at this point in time, if he's not getting that type of, you know, the, the free money, I guess it would be, or the network money from the regional sports network, but nobody knows at this point in time, what's, what's going to happen. I don't know if I'm not worried about him spending money because of that, my concern is just what we've seen happen over the past few years. Are we just going to see more of that? Even though, I mean, the spending has increased kind of each off season. I don't know if the talent of the player or the caliber of the player has increased, but they've definitely been paying more money for players. You know, you go out and get Jose Quintana a couple years ago, throw him a couple million dollars. This time you throw Rich Hill $8 million. You know, you go out and you throw $8 million at, you know, Carlos Santana. Now, is that just them overpaying for these players? Or is that, you know, something that we've talked about before, Chris, which is kind of setting up that ladder of not taking the huge jump in spending, but incrementally, you know, taking those steps up the ladder to be able to to start to spend more. So I don't know if I believe any of that. I, I don't know, you know, 
it wasn't like in my estimation, I think that they were getting something like $40 million from AT&T. Some people have, you know, put it. That, up see, that's to a big number. Dollars. That's a big, that's a big number because I just, I was just reading something while we were searching this up and supposedly, I mean, it was a while back, but supposedly like the penguins, I don't, I don't know what the pirates were getting, but the penguins supposedly were getting like $16 million a year, just a few years back from the deal that they had. I can't imagine the pirates getting that much more. Like, I don't think this is a large amount of money. Like I, you may, you may, it may impact how much that they spend. But I also feel like this team has been underspending because they haven't had a need to spend, right? Like, why were you going to go out if you, like, this is the thing that I always try to explain. I, I try to explain on the show. I've tried to explain it to you. I've tried to talk to anybody who's a Pirates fan who wants to talk about it. Okay, the, 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 biggest, the biggest issue here is this team will never be a top 10 payroll because of the, the, the market that they're in, okay, and the owner that they have, all right? But this team is capable of spending more. They get revenue sharing, and they they have the ability, the way that Major League Baseball has set things up, to spend more money. The reason they didn't spend money over the last couple of years is it would have been just throwing money at a team for that team to be a middling team that has an outside chance of winning a division or being a wild card contender. In the build that Charrington has done, the attempt is to build a young core that doesn't cost any money and then be able to spend that money. And if you have that core that doesn't cost any money and you have that system set up, then you can go spend that money and you're not throwing it away. You're putting the cherry on top of the Sunday. You're upgrading the team and making it truly competitive. There was no need to go out and spend a bunch of money while you were building. There was never any need for it. So the idea that like, well, now that they're ready, they still don't have anything that everybody should be screaming about that. I don't care. All the radio people should be yelling about it. All the TV people should be yelling about it because they are underspending what they could capably spend for this team. These, these markets like Pittsburgh are getting money from Major League Baseball and their revenue sharing deals. He's not spending the money because if I spend the money right now, if they go out and they get a big time free agent three years ago, what would it have done to change the Pirates fortune? What would it have done? You didn't have a team to put around that guy. The idea is to build the team, then you go out and do it. So I don't know if a regional sports network contract is going to be enough to put that big of a dent into it that they don't go out and still increase their payroll. Could it hurt a little bit? Sure it could. Do I think that they are a long way away from not having a deal? For sure. If there's something getting out that nutting is balking at the agreement, if there's even someone being discussed, let's say, of putting a network together with the Penguins and the Pirates, this would be a negotiation tactic. This would be a, I'm not spending that money, and let's get that out to somebody so they talk about it publicly so they know I'm serious about the fact that I don't want to do that. This is how negotiations are done. So until I see something concrete that tells me that the Pirates are not going to have, I mean, like, where are they going to be next year? That's the real question, right? And I would think it's in Bob Nutting's best interest, just like it would be in every Major League Baseball owner's best interest. And you could see this happening nationally with the regional sports networks failing. It'd be in their best interest to be in something that's controllable, not only by the team, but even possibly by Major League Baseball. Rob Manfred's been talking about the idea of it. The, you know, the, the, you could see in a couple of years, Major League Baseball streaming just like any other app on your Roku. And there wouldn't be blackout games 
because they, they the only thing that really causes the blackout games is the deals that are currently in place with the regional sports networks. As they fall apart, you could see a lot of things changing in the landscape. So Nutting may be sitting there saying to himself, okay, well, how long is this agreement for? Do I really want to be in this? What is Major League Baseball really going to do? And I'm in the middle of negotiating. When I hear a thing like that, it makes me sound like there's two billionaires negotiating with each other over who's going to pay for what piece of the pie. I, 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 it's, it's, to me, a non-story until we do get to an offseason where somebody says, oh, yeah, the Pirates just don't have any money because of this. And still, even that, I don't think takes away enough of the money that they could spend in the offseason away from them to make me that upset about it. You should still be able to go out and get free agents. It could cost you one. It might cost you one free agent out of the whole deal. You know, when we're talking about that, that size of money. If you ever see me out and about in Pittsburgh, you will always recognize me. And not just because of the white beard, but also because of the why that is always on top of my head. The hat I always wear. The Yin's brand. Proud partners with Bucks in the Basement. Three dynasties. One brand. Yin's. Finally, one brand to rep all black and gold. Follow at Shop Yin's for new merch drops and giveaways. Order online at www.shopyins, the emphasis on the two Z's, high quality comfort, lightweight materials, a new modern look for the black and gold, made for Yins by a Yinzer. This thing you were, I was thinking about when you were talking right there, Chris, is, you know, last year we signed Austin Hedges for $5 million. I mean, Andy Rodriguez should be your starting catcher next year, and he costs under a million. Like he's go. like 775000 so there's like $4 million right there. And think about the one-year guys. Think about Hill. Think about Quintana, all that stuff like that, right? Yeah. So they had money for that, but now what they can do is they, they're, they're going to be able to go out and they're going to say, okay, we're not going to go sign a guy for one year. We're going to go sign a guy for four, and instead of giving that person $8 million, we're increasing it to fifteen, and we're going to go get a higher-end pitcher, right? That, I don't think that that gets affected by what's going on right now at the Regional Sports Network because they've been underspending – what they were capable of spending for the last couple of years because you would have just been throwing money away because you still wouldn't have been a competitor. See, that's the thought process. You can disagree with it. You could be like, I want to compete every year. What the heck? I'm paying for season tickets. I understand that. I completely get that, right? And I, and you can rebuild on the fly. You don't need to tear it down to bare bones, but then you have to have an owner that spends money, and Bob Nutting's not going to spend that. But I do believe that once you have the structure built, that you see the increase because now you can go back to what you're capable of spending and you're not throwing it out there. It actually would take a team that has a core and is built and raise it to a level where it's competitive every year. And that year should start in 2024 because they're, they're ahead of schedule. Charrington's already said it. They're ahead of schedule. And I believe it too. All right. You could go out there and be competitive next year. You should be an over 500 team that's in the race for the division next year. And in 2025, you should definitely be in the postseason. And the only way you're doing it is if you're spending in the offseason. Yeah, and the funny thing is, is nobody was talking about the Baltimore Orioles spending until their idiot owner comes out and says that if if they're going to keep this team together for years, yeah. then, he, then oh, he's got gosh. to raise prices and whatever. Yeah. But but nobody talks about what the Orioles' payroll is at this point in time because they have so many good young players that automatically their payroll is not that high. 
So the Pirates, in some ways, could be the same way because, like you said, you know, last week, Chris, we have Cabrian Hayes on like a, a hometown discount, you know, sweetheart deal, and, and it his, goes down. The value yeah. of the deal goes down as he stays here. Yeah, and we've got Brian Reynolds. Pretty much, I mean, you don't got to negotiate anymore, and you got him in there, you know, fairly cheaply. I mean, if you have O'Neill Cruz, who's not ready for arbitration yet as your shortstop, hopefully, you know, maybe Leo Pagero is your second baseman. That's that's a young contract right there. So anybody that you're putting in these spots, like I already said, Henry, Andy, I mean, they're not getting paid a whole lot of money. So, I mean, the only people that will be getting money is, you know, maybe a little bit more for some of the guys who will be hitting arbitration next year, but I mean, that increases only slightly, but like you said, saving the money or, you know, still having hopefully that money to move it up again, based on what you spent on Rich Hill and Carlos Santana and Vince Velasquez and Austin Hedges and all those guys, like the money I feel like is still going to be there. It's just going to be like, is it going to be enough? And is it going to be something different and beyond what they've been doing for the past few years and signing guys for more than one year? Or at least having, you know, people within your system that you think are going to take their place, um, like whether it be in starting pitching, first base, outfield, wherever it may be, but hopefully at least taking that step forward and spending it for more years, not only, you know, more money next year, but hopefully beyond that as well. This is why as a fan, and I know there's arguments against it, I really wish that there was a salary cap and a salary floor. And there was an idea of every team really is capable of getting to this amount of money. You know, like in the NFL, right? When you see a team going into their NFL offseason and you're like, all right, these deals are coming off the books. These are not guaranteed. This is what they're, they're on the hook for, for their salary cap. And we can kind of guesstimate how much money is available for them to go out into free agency. And you know they're capable of spending it. And you can start saying, okay, well, we need this. And we need to go pick up this. And we could probably go get this. And now let's see what they go and do with the money. Right. And the problem with baseball is there, there isn't anything like that. So in the end, all of this could be for naught. It really is possible. It really is possible that for the last couple of years, you've been sitting around waiting for all these young guys to develop, all these young, young guys develop. And then you get to the moment where Bob Nutting should go spend the money to upgrade the team and the core that's there and start being a competitive major league franchise that hopefully continues to be that way because you're doing a good job bringing guys in and developing them. You're doing a good job moving guys through the minor leagues. You're doing a good job of keeping your core fresh and healthy with another guy and another guy and another guy in positional depth in case somebody does price out of being on the team or you do have a massive injury or something that takes away a guy that was in your plans or a prospect doesn't pan out. But then you're also spending money and bringing in pieces that you need each and every year to be able to compete. That's really the dream, right? But there is the possibility that after all this, he doesn't do a thing, right? And he just kind of shrugs and says, well, you know, some of these prospects didn't work out. That's a shame. Fires Ben Charrington, who sits there with a shocked look on his face because he was waiting for him to spend money. And then you're just sitting there disgusted as a Pirates fan. It's always a possibility. That's what that's the rough part of being a baseball fan because the league is not structured for you to have any true expectations about the, what ownership is going to do because ownership could do something completely different. They could defy all logic. Okay, but if I'm looking at logic over the last couple of years, logic would dictate to me that they are still going to spend. I'm not worried about that report. I, it, it, to me, I don't even know how serious it is. It could be just part of a negotiation. It could be a negotiation tactic 
while trying to figure out what they're going to do with the broadcast rights and how they're going to bring in money and make money because there's money to be made there. And nobody makes billions of dollars like Bob Nutting and isn't smart enough to understand how to make money and where the money is and doesn't negotiate. Okay, so I'm not worried about that. So I think logic dictates to me that they're going to have to spend in the offseason. They're going to continue to increase payroll. It's never going to be in the top 10, but it's something that they could they could start investing into this team and being competitive as quickly as this offseason and 2024, 2025, beyond as we're going into it. That's what logic dictates to me. So I'm going to hold on the logic until the illogical happens. When the illogical happens, then we'll scream and yell. Lots of screaming, yelling. You'll change on the video that you do of this podcast because there's an audio forum and there's a video forum that Craig does. You'll change the skyline from the beautiful skyline you have behind us and and the ballpark with a sunny day to just a hellish landscape of fire and brimstone (laughs) for every show. We will put blood on the end of the little uh, dagger in the the pirate's mouth in our logo. That's what we'll change over to. Yeah. And the funny thing to me, Chris, is that, I mean, you're talking about logic and that's where I kind of hold on to hope here. And and maybe I'm just, you know, just an idiot fan who wants his team to be good. But I mean, I've oh, seen you are an idiot of- fan who wants his team to be good. You are. It's not maybe. You are. But I've seen this happen before. I mean, we've seen the team go into a rebuild before. We've seen them come out of that rebuild. And I know that it was, you know, 10 years ago or whatever it was. But once the team's once the core started to get up, once that McCutcheon got up here, once Starling Marte got up here, Neil Walker got up here, all of them got up here, and you started to make that push forward, what happened every single year? The payroll went up to the point where it went to the highest it had been, you know, in the history of the Pirates. And no, that's not great for like other organizations, but I've seen it happen before. It's going to happen again. So I could definitely see it happening again. So that's just where I kind of hold on to that. And like we said, Chris, it's something if it doesn't happen and we're, you know, I I wouldn't be, I'd be like, I'll go 70-30 right now. 70-30, I think it's going to happen. I'm not a gambling man. But that (laughs) that 30% that the rug gets pulled out from underneath me, like you said, man, scorched earth, bloody dagger, and pitchforks, fire and brimstone, whatever we have to do, man. Right. Maybe we change the logo to being like a, like a hostage crisis logo, like back in the day, you know, when they would like, we, when there would be something like that. And it's like how many days we've been held hostage as a fan base. We can have a lot of fun with it. Okay. Like I said, fire and brimstone. Before we get out of here, we got a couple more minutes left. You wrote down a note here that we never got to. Uh, it's a player comparison. And I don't know who the players are. So let, let, do your player comparison because I'm sure you're trying to prove a point. Well, it's just one of those fun things. And we used to do player A and player B. Like, I, I don't think we've done this for a while. But this is going to be player stats from the beginning of July. Player A has 132 plate appearances. Okay. Okay. Batting average is 174 on base, Ugh. 318, slugging Ugh. 229. Yeah. WRC slugging 229 slugging yeah. 229 slugging 229 and wow. WRC plus of 63. Oh, that's gross. Why is he on my team? Who's okay. the other player? Player player B has a little bit less plate appearances, only 95 plate appearances. All right. Okay. Slashing 272. Okay. 379 for on okay. base. 
on base three seventy nine. We're nearing four hundred with that. I like yeah, that. And then slugging four eighty one with a WRC plus of one thirty five. Yeah, and an OPS nearing eight fifty. When yeah. you put those numbers together. Yeah, okay. Well, player B is clearly the better hitter. Who I'd okay. want in my lineup more. So go okay. ahead. Okay, player A is Andrew McCutcheon. <laughs> player B is Mr. Connor Joe. Uh, well, yeah, there you go. There you go. But Joe gets used. Connor Joe gets used almost like a platoon player. Depends on his matchup, how they're going to use him, where they're going to put him. But still, that is an incredible feat. And you're right. He should be playing more. And I, he won't because, you know, the McCutcheon love. And there are fans who love Kutch, and I get it. I don't, you know, I don't know if he necessarily needs to be on the team next year. You know, I mean, like his role should be greatly diminished next year if he continues on the team. I know they're talking about, yeah, he's coming back next year. But if you're truly going to be competitive, he's a platoon player and a presence in the locker room at best at his age and with his production. Because what we saw was what you see from a lot of aging athletes, guys that are really good ball players. You saw a month or two of really good play and then you saw them fall off. Doesn't mean he doesn't have the skill. It doesn't mean that he's not a good ball player, but it's very difficult to keep that up and that energy up and that and not go into long-term slumps, which is what you basically just described right there. And it's a month and a half, almost two months of a slump right there, a bad one, okay? They are more apt to go into those at an advanced age. Nagging injuries really take their toll. They're creaky when they get up. I mean, it's just, that's what it is. Not, I mean, we're not that way you know, we're that way now, right? Like, I don't play a sport. Imagine me going out and playing a sport now. I'd be, oh, my gosh, I'd be exhausted every day, right? He's a little bit younger than me. But still, even at that age, it, that's difficult to do every day. That's why ball players don't play till they're 50. It just, that's, there's a reason why they eventually, doesn't matter what their skill set is, the best players stop at some point. So, yeah, I mean, you bring him back next year. I'm telling you, man, he, he should be a platoon influence on the bench, kind of guy. If he's an everyday player and he's in your plans, I question that you're legitimately trying to win. That's how I would feel.